typically when you think about productized services, you think about going from a service to a product. I think there's a phenomenal opportunity right now to go from a product to a productized service. How much more successful would you be if you had lunch once a week with insanely successful entrepreneurs who share their biggest secrets on how they think and achieve success? Grab your seat at the table, because this is Business Lunch with Roland Frazier and Ryan Dice. Welcome to another episode of Business Lunch. And today's a snackable episode with Roland where he's going to get into some more tactical strategies that you can start using to live a rich and happy life. If this is the first snackable episode you're hearing, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to some of the other episodes that Roland has put out. And if you want to get notified every time we release a new episode, go to the new businesslunchpodcast.com website and we'll send you detailed notes along with every episode. That's businesslunchpodcast.com, www businesslunchpodcast.com and you can sign up for the free email newsletter where you'll be able to get all the highlights and resources from the episodes. Hey everybody, Roland Frazier and Ryan Dice here with another episode of Business Lunch and today Ryan has uh, all kinds of fun things that we're, uh, we've been talking about talking about. Ryan, what do you want to knock out here first today? So I'm really excited about this new concept and I want to get your take on it because I can't tell if it's a big deal or if I'm just making too big a deal out of nothing. I'll let you decide. Um, but have you heard of this, this concept called productized services? I have. So when I say productized services, what does that mean to you? So to me, it means that it's very different. We actually talk about this a lot, so we'll see if it's the same thing, but really one of the big challenges that service-based businesses have is their ability to scale. And that, that comes generally as a result of trying to create a bespoke, customized solution for every single client that comes in based on what they need, as opposed to creating a product that is the service. In other words, a standardized set of services with standardized times for completion and standardized costs that meet the majority of the client's needs who come to you. That affords two things. One is it affords the ability to scale because you can educate and have SOP, standard operating procedures, for how any person who comes into the business as an employee can execute the things that the company sells without having to have specialized company knowledge, tribal knowledge, or anything else. And um, it also generally makes it more efficient because you're meeting the needs of 80% of the customer's uh, as opposed to trying to meet the needs of 100%, where 20% are 80% of the extra effort. So really, to me, it's it's a smart way to be able to create a scalable service-based business. And, um, and it also creates then upsells that you can or cannot offer, depending on the level of capacity that you have available. Because if you basically say, this is our productized service suite of, let's say, digital marketing services, um, then we do all of these things for you. And you say, but I also want this, or I wish this was that, or, or and it works with uh, businesses as well. Let's say that you're manufacturing, you know, even for, for services related to goods, you're manufacturing window frames and door frames, and you make the seven standard sizes, but you've got customers that come in and say, well, I need a big bay one that's like this, and I need one that's this, and I have a tiny house, and I want that. You can say no to those people because they don't meet the productized services, or you can say, we've got capacity right now, and therefore we're okay with an upsell. That's, that's kind of my, my take on it. Yeah, and I think that's um, a, good, 
a good general breakdown and understanding and, and mine as well. Like when I, when I thought about this and have been, it, it's, this isn't a new concept. And so if you're hearing right. me talk about this and you're saying like, yeah, I've heard about this before, um, you're probably right. I think I've got a slightly different tweak on it. And we just, the reason I want to bring this up is because uh, at the Scalable Company, we just had a massive breakthrough on this concept, coming at it from a, pro approaching it from, from a slightly different direction. So I think that this is going to apply to you. If you're in a services business right now that can't scale, uh, then this discussion I think is going to apply to you. If you're an investor, if you do acquisitions, I think it applies to you because there's lots of opportunities to acquire unscalable inefficient service-based businesses and convert them into a productized service. But I think there's also a phenomenal opportunity here for people who are in the media business, publishing, course sales, coaching, mastermind, like a lot of those folks who've been selling IP, I think there's an opportunity here for you as well. So I'll kind of like just um, back up the truck a little bit and talk about what we did uh, at Scalable Company, because I think, and I know you know this, but for our listeners, let, I think it'll be Let me helpful. frame one more thing, just so if you yeah. have a company that does not fall into those categories that Ryan just mentioned, <clears throat> really, there are tremendous opportunities with any physical products, brick or mortar, wholesaling, manufacturing business to add on things like this. So bear with us and listen, and then we'll try, we'll try to tie all that back together as to how those things can be beneficial to add on to the products and services that you've already got. Yeah, and, and, I, and, and to your point, and the point about this being nothing new, um, to a large extent, any fast food restaurant is like McDonald's was a productized service of just going to a general restaurant or heck cooking at home, right? Or hiring a chef to come and cook for you. And so this idea of let's take something that was a traditional service and productize it, uh, nothing new. There's been companies that have been doing this in the design space forever, like Design Pickle, you know, for example, is one of those companies where there's traditional design shops, but they basically productized it. I'm seeing a lot right now in the um, in the video space. Yeah, like you know, video editors that previously would have said we'll edit any video, and now they're basically saying we'll take your videos and cut them up into shorts. Yeah, short form kind of things. Um, so you know, we're we're seeing that. There's even this company out of um, they're in Santorini, Greece. Mm -hmm. You should look up. It, it's called uh, Flying Dress Photo, nice. and it's a photographer. And the, but the only, the only thing they do, like what they advertise on this site is we're going to do this like amazing flying dress photo shoot overlooking like, um, Caldera. yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, we had a friend who went and did this recently, a former you know employee that of ours that, uh, went and did this recently. And, and yeah, it's, what are they? They're a photography studio, but they're productizing this one particular service that everybody wanted. And to your point, if you go the productized service route, you could either say, this is the only thing we're going to do now, right? We're not going to do any bespoke. We're not going to do any custom. We are only going to do this one thing, or this one thing could be kind of a separate brand. That's a lead into your higher ticket, higher end, more bespoke. Kind yeah. Of and, and I think for, for bigger companies, if you've got a department, this works too, because if you're talking about efficiencies interdepartmentally, then if you've got a media buying component of your business or a content creation or any of the really the services that are provided, even accounting, you can do the same thing. You can productize the services, potentially use this as an expense to profit conversion to add additional profit centers. But even if not, simply to get more efficient and say, this is basically what our company needs from this department. 
And how can we productize those services so that it's available to everyone in the most efficient and effective way? So lots, lots of applications that I don't see a lot of people talking about. So I, I love it that we're talking about it. Okay. Yeah, what's the I mean, breakthrough? We've got a, we've got a friend and a client that they're, he's an attorney, you know, couple, couple legal, you know, partners that, um, in a, in a law firm, but their brand is all around crowdfunding. Yep. You know, and so, so yes, right now is probably a good moment to pause. If you have any type of service offering and say, is there an element we could splinter off and productize? Cause not only do you get far greater efficiencies cause you can build SOPs around it. You're not doing proposals. There's no customization. People can literally just go and buy it. Conversion rates are typically higher. Higher sales cycles are typically shorter. Like for every reason, you should do this. Um, but here's what we just did, kind of because I've known about this, but I never really thought it applied to a lot of the businesses that we're in. Because a lot of this, we're we're not in a lot of services-based businesses that are bespoke. Like we have traditionally avoided those for all the reasons we just talked about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, but what we do have are a fair number of publishing companies where we, we might publish courses, you know, or trainings, or we might have a consulting company, you know, or a coaching company. And in the past, that's pretty high leverage, right? It already has been productized. And so typically when you think about productized services, you think about going from a service to a product. I think there's a phenomenal opportunity right now to go from a product to a productized service. And I think this is a piece that a lot of folks are missing. And certainly we were missing it at the Scalable Company. So if you don't know at the Scalable Company, kind of the main thing that we do is we help business owners install operating systems so their businesses can scale. They can exit the day-to-day. -day, they can ultimately sell the business if they want to. And there's lots of other components that go into that you know, with more general coaching and things like that, but it really does center around the, let us help you systemize, operationalize, you know, install this operating system in your business. And we've got books, we've got courses, we've got coaching programs. And over the years, those have all sold, you know, pretty well to varying degrees. But I wouldn't say it ever just hit it out of the park. Um, and the thing that we asked our people is, what do you really want? What's something that we're not currently offering that you wish we were? And what we heard time and time and time again is, I wish somebody could just build this out for me. And we said, ah, no way. We don't want to be in the services space. We don't want to do bespoke services or anything like that. Um, we just want to, uh, you know, we want to do the high leverage thing. We want to do the one to many. We want to have the courses and the cohort-based programs. And what we realized is we should just maybe give the people what they want. You know, they're asking for- Who does that? Crazy idea, right? Um, and what we further realized, and again, this is probably going to sound painfully obvious to 80, 90% of the people listening. And yet, as obvious as it seems, we weren't doing it. And that tells me that plenty of other people aren't doing it either. What we had with our courses, um, what we had with our books, were not just training materials and programs to teach other people how to do it. They could just easily be training materials and programs to teach team members how to do it. So what would happen if we just went out there and said, okay, fine, we'll give you what you asked for. Uh, and instead of having people go through the trainings, the trainings become trainings for our internal team members. That's what we did. And man, it has crushed it. Uh, and we went from, because I think right now, it is harder than ever to sell courses. It's harder than ever to sell like cohort-based stuff. Uh, it's harder than ever to sell a, let me show you how to do this thing. Everybody right now just wants it done for them. Seemingly more than seemingly more than ever, 
and so we just decided, okay, let's get into the productized service business. And it has completely changed the game. I mean, sales are up about double um, just by giving people what we wanted. And the IP was already there. So I just, I wanted to talk about this because I think that there are too many people selling bespoke services that aren't thinking about how can I splinter something off and do a productized services, productized yeah. service. Let's, let's do a couple of brainstorms for people. Yeah. So let's say, um, cause I know that from digital marketer, we have lots of people who are in, uh, agency type businesses. So that means that they may be a digital marketing agency. They may be a consultant that is effectively in the same boat. How do they approach the productization of the service? What's the framework? So if you're, if you're a marketing agency, I think you could ask yourself what I would always start with. What's the thing I'm already doing that I know everybody loves. They get the most value from that. You know, we we're getting phenomenal results because if your people are getting great results, then, you know, you got product market fit there. Right. Um, and so that's where I, that's where I would start from. Um, so and one, then say, one how way, do I, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, uh, th thinking about like, how do we drill down to that? To me, um, I would guess that a combination of a survey of your customers and prospects asking them to rank the five things that they find most important or most valuable about the services, or maybe you do two questions, one, one of each of those things, um, so that you get some data from the people who you're actually trying to appeal to. And then I would probably talk to the people who are doing the work and, and get them to give you a survey of, or if it's you, you might want to just take some time and look over your last maybe three months of billings and say, what are the five services that I'm providing or that we are providing to customers um, more than anything else? What, in, in other words, what it, not only what do they say they want, but what are we actually doing? And then maybe let that help inform how we're going to start this productization. Does, does that make sense or you want to plus that? Yeah, I mean, it's exactly, I think it, I think working backwards of, of what are people asking for, um, what are people getting results from, and whether that's you just considering what you've already done, uh, and or, and I, and I think it's an and, asking them, you know, even yeah. just sending a one sentence survey that is, what are we not currently offering that you wish we were? It's, it's yeah. shocking how many times we've asked that question and people ask for things that we are in fact offering. Um, yeah. The other thing you could potentially do is you could aggregate your, if you've got timesheets or something like that, like let's say you had a law firm or, um, or anybody that's doing time-based billing, you could download into a PDF your last 90 days of timesheets and then upload them to ChatGPT into the ADA and basically let it tell you, give me a summary of the, of the, of the breakdown of services as far as you can tell that we're doing. That'd be another, another good use of, of getting some specific data and, and bringing AI into it as well. And I think okay, also so asking of all the things we do, what's the one that has the clearest result for the client, right? right? That you can connect a very clear through line. When they have this, they get this known result. Because so many of the things that we do are kind of around the edges, they're important. And maybe they even need to happen first. Yep. That's a big mistake that we've made in the past. You know, we've said, ah, before we can get to this thing that we want that, that the client really wants, we've got to do these other things first to kind of prepare them. Um, and so we sold it as this like one much kind of larger uh, package and bundle, explaining to them on the front end that, oh, you need all this stuff. And you don't have to do that. 
you can just say, we're going to get you this thing. And then they find out that there's, you know, more stuff on the front end that now that they're on the other side is almost perceived as an extra benefit. Wow. You're going to do all this stuff for me too. Yeah. So you don't have to talk about all the stuff you do. You can just pluck out and talk about the, you know, the sexy bits that they actually want. Um, I love it. And so I do think that that's where it would start. And I think, I think a lot of people do this and, and they talk about it and it might even be a package or it might be a product. I think to really take it to the next level, you create an entire brand around it that is in addition to like its own domain name, its own branding, and it can be by your brand, you know? So, I mean, you could have kind of your parent company and, and it's this new thing by this. This is what we're looking at doing at Digital Marketer. So a digital marketer, what does everybody want us to do? Wants us to help them um, uh, build out their, their funnel, build out their growth engine, right? And so we're gonna look to spin out a productized services brand that's gonna be by digital marketer. You know, uh, I mean, that's, I think that's a, a really, that's kind of the next step to find out, can we market this independently? Um, can, it, can it stand alone and, you know, as an independent service without having to talk about all the other stuff? Like, like I said, that, that flying dress photo, that is its own website. And all it markets is this flying dress thing. I'm sure you could hire them to do other photography, but there's no mention of it. And I think that's really, really powerful. That's what makes it feel like um, I'm actually buying a product. I'm, I'm buying the service like I would buy a product off of Amazon or off of a Shopify store. Nice. So separate domain, separate trademark. Uh... How do you deal with people? Because we know shared services models are challenging. Um, if this becomes its own thing, does the entire company pivot and that's the product that it offers and we start with product one and then move forward? Do we continue to doing to, do we continue to do the customized products along the way while we're migrating to this? Do we have a half custom house, half product house? How, how do you look at those things? When I've seen it done best, it's when there were two different brands and one of them only focused on the productized services and it had dedicated teams that only did that productized service. And then there would be another company kind of behind it that was the parent company and they would do some of the bespoke work if and when it made sense to do that. And I think so that that the is the Macintosh team and be. the Apple II team. Say, say that again. So you have the Macintosh team and the Apple II team. The Apple II team yeah. continues to do what's making money. The Macintosh team works on this new thing. Then we launch, we see how it goes, and maybe everybody becomes the Macintosh team ultimately, but right. we don't know. Yeah, and okay. I think that, that and, and then I think the goal becomes launching multiple productized service brands out of this. And so if I had a marketing agency, um, as opposed to advertising ourselves as a full service marketing agency, you know, I would want to have a productized service that does the funnel building and, and design and development. I might want to have another one that all it does is, um, you know, get like test and get you your, uh, your, your perfect winning ad. Right. And so it's not designed. Here's the key about a productized service in general. There's a clear beginning and an end. And that's important, right? I mean, you might be thinking like, oh, but I want to be able to serve this client forever. Very often in services, you, and, and it depends on your business model, but oftentimes in services, it's the scope creep where you lose all your margin. Like in the beginning, when it's productized is when you make your margin and over time, you could potentially lose it. And so the way that we design our productized services is it's designed to do something in, um, in six, 12 or 16 weeks is kind of where, you know, we land in terms of productized service sort of in that, in that range. 
And then afterwards, there could be some kind of ongoing retainer based if you need some additional help and support. But it's, it's not intended to be, we're going to keep doing this thing for you. There's a clear start and a clear end. And I think that's a really important aspect in designing this that we didn't talk about before. What's the clear beginning and when is this thing done? When is the product delivered? Okay, let's, let's do a couple other examples. Uh, auto repair shop, brick and mortar business that's providing services. So you're, yeah, so you're an auto repair shop? Um, we do everything, fix all cars, all things, everybody that comes to us, whatever you got, whatever make model, we just fix everything, but we're yeah. losing a little bit of money because, you know, it's hard to keep track of all those things. How, how do we deal with that? So you, this has already happened to a certain extent with like the Jiffy Lubes. So all we do is oil change, right? Uh, and then you have other auto repair um, shops where they might do a particular service for a particular type of car. Um, and so we only do work on electric vehicles and we only do this particular thing. Um, there, there are auto, there are some of these services where they only do inspections, right? Okay. Let's say, uh, what else do we want to try? Let's try two more restaurant. We serve everything. We're Fridays or Applebee's and you've got eight, six, eight, 80 or cheesecake factory. We've got 16,000 page menu with everything on the planet on it. Uh, it's hard for everybody to do everything with that, but you know, different customers want different things. What do we do? I look at Shake Shack. One of the most successful restaurateurs of all time, you know, he realized like, what if we have a restaurant that it, we only serve burgers in these configurations and shakes and fries and shakes, yeah. right? I mean, so that's kind of the classic, uh, the in classic burger also, right? Yeah. yeah. We, got, we got three ways you can get this. <laughs> that's it. If you don't want it, you're at the wrong place. Yeah. Right? You're, if you don't want it, you're at the wrong place. But again, I'm trying to remember... Um, who, but like the people who know, know that this is the person who's also associated with these other fine dining restaurants. And right, so right. if, is it Denny Hatch or somebody like that? I, I think, think so. Yeah. Okay. If, if yeah. properly branded a productized service, you can get two wins. You can both elevate, you can both create a new profit center, a new brand, a new business unit, a new sellable asset. While if, if you were to, uh, co-brand that while also leveling up the parent company. And giving people who want that bespoke a place to go. But I think the biggie is don't mix those two teams. Don't ask your people yeah. who are doing bespoke stuff to, to just focus and drill and do productized work. And definitely don't ask your productized people to in, invite scope creep. Uh, you yeah, wouldn't ask the fry, really you know, the burger fryer at McDonald's to, hey, while you're at it, this person wants a filet mignon. Can you knock that out too? Forget about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think knowing your market, uh, demographic, psychographic, who do you actually want to serve? This allows you maybe to serve the most profitable section of the market too. So another thing to do, I think would be take a look at what are your most profitable services? And we did this with a law firm long, long ago when I was practicing law, we were one of the first firms to offer flat fees for the specific sets of complex services that we would do. So we would have, we would basically say, here's a class action lawsuit. Here's everything that's going to happen. Here are all the component parts that are most commonly done. That's how we do that. Here is, you know, you, you see it a lot with like entity formations and things like that, but you might not see it with let's create an offering document and uh, let's create uh, a private placement. Let's create a, a divestiture, you know, th those are, or an acquisition. Those are all things that can be productized and very profitable. And so we were making, as opposed to the people that were making at the time, four, five, six hundred bucks an hour, we were making two, three, four thousand dollars an hour because 
it's a flat fee associated with a fixed number of services. And that's what you get. And we're actually doing that with AI right now. Even today, we're rolling out our, uh, our services that is the done for you component of the AI things that we show people how to do. And we're saying, we're, we're going to do a book, but it's not whatever book you want. It's a nonfiction book. And it's not however many pages you want. It's between this and that. And it's, you know, it, it like that, there, you know, there's this many edits. There's this many, you know, it's very standardized. So I, I think it's a great way to go. And, uh, and then documenting along the way. Do you have any tips for that? Because I know you've kind of done this with uh, SBA. So I'd love for you to share, basically, you've got Scalable, and that's how to do operating systems and all that kind of stuff. Then we've got our done for you service, but then it also created an opportunity for a new profit center uh, where we have people who we license to do this too. We want to talk about that for a minute before we wrap yeah, up. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I think going back to the going back to the sequence because you said something important, and it'll come back around to how to do the documentation. Uh, step number one is you've got to define and standardize the scope. Right? What is the deliverable? What is the end result? You're speaking to the, the thing they're getting. It should feel tangible. It, it should feel like a complete product, right? It, just like I pulled something off the shelf, I should have it. There's a beginning, there's an end. It starts, then it's done. And then I have something I didn't have before. So we got to standardize the, the deliverable. You also need to standardize uh, who you're serving. So you have to acknowledge, we're not going to be able to serve everybody with this. We're going to maybe cut out, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80% of our existing audience. And we got to be okay with that because we're going to be operating at much higher margins and we'll get some of those people kind of in the other business, but in the bespoke brand that still exists, but maybe that winds up getting sunset because it's so profitable. So the first step is to standardize. Then once you've standardized it, now you've got to say who's actually doing this work. Um, and if it's you, then... What needs to happen immediately is you've got to start documenting while you do. And one of the biggest mistakes that people make when they're creating checklists and SOPs and things like that is they go off into a room by themselves and they write out a checklist of all the things they think they do. And you're always going to miss stuff and you're always going to miss nuance. Um, giant holes are going to be created. So don't do that. Um, you can actually uh, record whether you're using Loom or if you've got an associate there, if it's an in-person type fulfillment, you can have somebody film it, get the person's permission. Um, you can get that transcribed and you can upload that transcription to chat GBT and you could say, act as a uh, project manager, or, you know, act as somebody who does this kind of thing. I forget what the, what the term is. And it will create an SOP based on what you uploaded. Yep. And so that's the first thing. So step number one is do it. Step two is document why you do. Step three, and this is really important, do it again, mindlessly following your own steps. Because when you do it, even if you just kind of like go through the motion a little bit, you will again see things that you missed. Then step four is the field test. And the field test is critical. This is when you hand it off to somebody else to do it. Um, and typically that field test, if you think about the way that waiters get trained, right? That person is going to watch you do it the first time, then you're going to, uh, then they're going to do a couple of steps in there. Then they're going to do it while you observe. And once you've observed them executing the field test um, without needing to go make a bunch of mistakes, they're on their own. Um, and 
you can do this at scale. You can do this in groups. It just, it can absolutely be, uh, be done. And if you find that, ah, oh, we just can't do it. We, documentation is too hard. There's, there's too many little details and times where it, it changes and I've got to come in. It's not a productized service. You haven't narrowed the scope enough. You haven't narrowed who you serve enough. So just keep narrowing it until it becomes the step-by-step process. Awesome. I think that's great. Anything else we should add in wrapping up? I would just say um, this is an absolute no-brainer. If you are in a services-based business, commit, like make a decision that we're not just going to systemize our operations. Um, Make a commitment to actually launching a new brand. Because if you treat it like a new brand with its own domain name, its own company, you'll actually get serious about this, right? And, and, and so I think that that's an important frame to put into place. Um, that, that's what these other companies have done. It is a separate brand. If it works, commit to giving it its own team and treating it like a separate business unit because it, it likely will be independently sellable at a much higher rate than your, uh, than your bespoke services group. So I would just say, and once you've done one, you can now lay multiple eggs. You can do multiple of these. The, 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 the kind of the bespoke services group becomes the goose that's going to lay multiple productized services brands. And that's just as a strategy. I think that's a good one. If you are in the business of teaching people how to do stuff, you're an author, uh, you are a consultant. Right now, more than ever, people are just, they just want it done for them in a, zero interest rate environment, you know, when everything's up and to the right, people are happy to take some time to learn and figure it out for themselves. It's fun and everything's working out anyway. Right now, people are like, screw it, just give me the goods. Um, And then the other piece from a strategy perspective that you alluded to, but we didn't address, this does introduce a totally new profit center where once you have this documented, not only can you train internal team members, but now you can actually offer a franchise You can offer a license. And so that's what we're doing at the Scalable Company. We're now rolling out our Scalable Business Advisor program. We're taking all of the tools, all the systems that we're teaching our internal advisors to do, uh, and we're going to make those available for a fee, obviously, um, to independent folks so that they can go out, scatter across the world and and get similar results for their clients. And and obviously, uh, now we're earning royalties and licenses and things like that. I just think it's a huge opportunity. I think it's a huge opportunity if you have a bespoke services business to create something that's more scalable and sellable. I think it's a huge opportunity if you have a very scalable product-based business to add a productized service on top of it. So either way, um, I think it's a huge, huge opportunity. Awesome. So if you guys have uh, insights, questions, thoughts, want to share your own experiences in doing these things or give it a try and tell us how it's going, let us know. Hit us up uh, on social. We've got Business Launch YouTube channels and Instagram and all those fun things. And if you like this, please share this podcast with a friend. We would love for you to do that. Trying to spread the word and get more people in and involved. I think that's it for today, guys. Thanks for joining us. And we'll see you on the next episode of Business Lunch. Hey, Roland Frazier here. If you're looking for a way to grow your business exponentially, to get more customers and ultimately increase your wealth, there's no faster way to do it than to acquire other businesses that already have the customers, products, services, teams, and media that you want. If you want to double your sales, just acquire a company that has the same sales as yours. 
It sounds simple, but far too many people end up starting new businesses that fail and forget that they could skip all the hard stuff and just acquire one that already exists. There's a reason why private equity firms, family offices, big companies like Apple, Google, and some of the smartest entrepreneurs on the planet do not start new businesses from scratch. They acquire already successful businesses. And when they do it, they instantly increase their sales, their profits. If they want market share, they increase that. They can get new products and services to offer all instantly. Hey, look, 90% of new businesses fail. 90%. Why not acquire an already successful business and increase your chances of success by 900%? What most people don't realize is you can acquire highly profitable businesses with no money out of your own pocket in pretty much any country in the world, regardless of your credit and without having to go find a bunch of investors or needing any experience. Look, I've been acquiring businesses for over 30 years now, and I cover the whole process in my epic investing strategy training, and I want to give it to you 100% free. Just visit businesslaunchpodcast.com forward slash epic to get your free access to my epic investing training right now while it's available.